is John 8, verses 39 through 47. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Perhaps you've looked at uh, one of your siblings and, and thought, man, they, they look like or they act just like mom or dad. Or, or, or if you have kids or grandkids, maybe you, you look at one of them and it's, it's just like this, this little clone of, of you. We, we cannot help but pass on um, our traits. And some we're, we're pretty glad our kids get. And, and maybe some others, we, we wish that one could have skipped a generation or two. Um, but we, we know we pass on genetics, and, and there's some things passed on genetics that aren't surprising, right? Height, eye color, um, intelligence, athletic ability, musical skills. I found a few things that we pass through genetics that um, they're a little funny to me. Um, and, and I knew this one, but I forgot that, that rolling your tongue, the ability to roll your tongue, right, to go like that, right, that's, that's passed down genetically, which is bizarre. Half my family can do it, the other half can't. Um, I didn't know this one, and granted, I didn't spend a ton of time researching this, so you might like message me later like, this isn't true, but the internet said on multiple sites, um, you either love or hate cilantro, and that's a genetic thing, right? How many people hate cilantro? Let's just go there. Yeah, oh, that's it. Wow, that interesting genetics we have here. Um, uh, this is one I did not know. So how much exercise affects you. So two people can do like the exact same workout, same intensity, same length, all of that, um, and, and yet two totally different results. How the body responds is different, and, it, and it's, it's genetics, which I'm like, oh, maybe this answers some things for me. Um, this one is weird to me. So somewhere between 10 and 35% of people sneeze when they see like a bright light, like the sun. And I had a friend, I, I remember hearing this for the first time. My friend told me in middle school that she, she'd sneeze if she looked at the sun. I'm like, no, you're lying. And then sure enough, she did it. Um, so this is, this is a, a photic sneeze reflex, also known as, and I've been practicing this, autosomal dominant compelling helioophthalmic outburst or a chew for short. Right? Did you know that's where a chew came from? I don't know if they made that work or if it already worked, but um, pretty interesting. So I have no idea why God did that, but apparently it's, it's a genetic thing that's, that's passed down. So we, we pass genetic traits down uh, to our kids, and, and there, are also, uh, there are also things that they pick up from us, right? That, that we teach them intentionally, and, and some things maybe not so intentionally that, that they catch. Uh, Jesus 
last week, as he was talking to this Jewish crowd, um, they justified their spiritual standing before God um, because they're, they're of the bloodline of Abraham. They were descendants of Abraham, the, the patriarch. And in this week's passage, Jesus explains that their behavior is nothing like the father Abraham. That They're physically descended from him, but they behave like their true father. And that is why they reject Jesus, just like the devil rejects Jesus. It, Jesus does not hold back any punches. And I've said this a couple times in John. Um, but what he says is offensive, right? Like if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, Jesus is telling you your father is the devil, right? There's, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Um, and Jesus, he's not concerned with people being comfortable. I, I, I'm realizing how, I mean, I've known this, but as, as we go through John, I'm just recognizing how much I prioritize comfort. Um, I don't like being in awkward conversations. I don't love offending people at all. But, but Jesus, um, he doesn't prioritize the comfort of the people he's talking to. Right? He, he, he doesn't just love getting into arguments. Like you could read this and think maybe that's what Jesus does. He just has to be right all the time. That's not it. Um, Jesus longs for people to know the truth. Right? And we, we talked about the truth last week, being the, the person and work of Jesus, that, that Jesus came in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, taking on our sins. He, he took our place, died for our sins, and then resurrected from the dead, making a way for all who would trust in him, who would believe in him, to be saved from their sin. That, that's, that's the truth that sets the captives free, like we talked about last week. So Jesus doesn't just want to win arguments. He, he's, he wants souls to be saved. He's made it clear that, that God's his Father, that he speaks and acts in accordance with what the Father says, what the Father does. He, he's sent by the Father to seek and save the lost because he is like his Father. So he tells this Jewish crowd that they aren't really children of Abraham, right? that they have a different father, and they're, they're a lot like their dad. In fact, they behave just like their dads, even, even in their hearts, they behave like their dad. Our truth statement for the week is, uh, is this. True children of God love Jesus and accept his truth. Children of the devil reject Jesus and the truth. So let's jump into our passage, verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Right? They, they retort back, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. They want to justify themselves, right, through their ethnicity. Abraham is our father, and Jesus agrees. Yeah, you're, you're from the family line of Abraham. There's a physical likeness. There's, there's genetics there, but spiritually, you're not at all like Abraham. Their hearts are nothing like Abraham's heart for God. If they were true spiritual descendants, they would do the works of Abraham or live like Abraham, specifically in responding to God, the, the way that, that Abraham responded to God. And this is, I'm going to read for you Genesis 26, uh, verses 4 and 5. He says this to Abraham, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring uh, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And, and this is why he says, because Abraham obeyed my voice. And kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. A major component of hearing God's word is being obedient. 
We, we demonstrate that we've accepted, that we believe as we're obedient. So what are the works of Abraham? And we don't have time to go through all of them, but, but if you think through Abraham's life, man, he, he was a very faithful man to God. Genesis 12 tells us the faith of Abraham. In Genesis 15, he, he told, or he believed what God told him he would do, right? that he was going to make him the father of many nations, that the land was going to be given to him, that they would bless all nations, Genesis 22, when, when God told him to, to sacrifice his son, he was ready. He was ready to do it. He was obedient to God. Abraham had a heart that was set on God. He had a sensitivity for the voice of God. He was ready to do what God directed because he had a love for God. So Jesus was confident that if Abraham was there in that moment, that, that he would love Jesus. Verse 40, he says, But you... Now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That is not what Abraham did. Right? They, they've heard God's word. They've heard Jesus speak, and they're ready to kill this man who was sent from God, speaking what, what he heard from God, and, and they respond in just the opposite way that Abraham would have. Genesis 18, d- divine messengers come to, to Abraham, and, and, and what happens is he He's incredibly hospitable. He runs out. He greets them. He bows down to the ground. He invites them to sit and rest. He washes their feet. He tells them he's going to go get some bread for their nourishment. He runs inside his tent. He's like, hey, make some bread. We got to get them some bread, right? His wife's making the bread. He goes out to the flock. He, 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 gets, he gets an animal, slaughters it, cooks a meal, and, and, and they have this meal together in this, this crowd Right, that say they're descended from Abraham, their behavior is nothing like Abraham. Here, here's Jesus sent by God, and they don't, they don't greet him, they don't bow down, they want him dead. Their behavior doesn't reflect the heart of someone who loves God, who cannot wait to hear what God has to say. Like, would that describe you? Right, do you just love God's word? You just always want to hear, God, what is it? What is it that you have to say? God, show me in your word what you have to say. Verse 41, he says, you are doing the works your father did. You aren't like Abraham, but you're just like your dad. Um, Sometime this last year, uh, I I told someone, man, you are so much like your dad. I meant it as a great compliment, right? I thought, I, I still think, dad's a good, good guy. Man, this adult was hurt by that comment. Like, I don't know what chord I struck, but there was something in them like, I don't want to be anything like my dad. And, and Jesus tells them, man, you're, you're just like your dad. And they know, they know this is no compliment. They know that shots have been fired and, and they fire back. 41B says, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And sexual immorality, it feels like it just comes out of nowhere in this passage when, 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 they, when they say that. And it's probably true. They probably were not born out of wedlock. Um, but they're bringing into question, probably, um, Jesus, the circumstances of Jesus' conception. Mary being pregnant before they were married. Um, so Jesus, he, he says, well, this guy that you think is your dad, he's, he's not your dad. And they fire back and they say, well, at least we aren't, we're not a product of fornication like you. So earlier, they, they were justifying themselves through their ethnicity, and now they're trying to elevate themselves through a, a moral superiority to Jesus. 
And this happens. People don't like the standards of Jesus. So, so we try and justify ourselves by our actions. Maybe you've heard someone say, I'm, I'm a good person, or I'm, I'm way better than, than that person, than my coworker, my neighbor, my brother. Um, moral justifications, like we can compare ourselves to one another, but, but that, that never works with God. The Jews are trying to justify themselves. But the problem is when you look at Jesus, you can't find anything wrong with him. He says this in verse 46, which one of you convicts me of sin? We can always find someone else that's worse than us. Someone that can make us feel better about our choices, our mistakes, our sin. But when we honestly look at Jesus, all we find is the spotless lamb that came to take away the sins of the world. He's the only one who can deal with our sin. And then they say, we have one father, even God, right? So they've claimed Abraham as their father. Now they're claiming God as their father. They're using their religion to justify their, their spiritual standing. And religious people do this. We do this. I've been going to church for decades. I serve in Sunday school. I volunteer at camp. I donate money. I lead Bible studies. We can go on and on. But none of our religious activity, as good as it can be, can save us. It is only belief in Jesus' atoning work that saves us. Verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. So Jesus gives the criteria to know if a person's father is God or not. And it's, will you, do you love Jesus? Right? Someone may say they love God, but, but if they deny Jesus, they don't know God. They don't love God. John's, John's been very clear in, in this gospel. You cannot separate belief and loving God from belief and love in Jesus. It, it's a package deal because Jesus and the Father are one. So this, father might, or this crowd might claim to love God as their Father, but they have no relationship with the Father because they, they will have nothing to do with Jesus. And it, it's great, like I, I get excited when, when I meet someone and I hear they say they know God, they love God, but I'm always waiting to hear about Jesus, right? I'm always waiting to hear like, okay, you, you said God, but do you, do you love Jesus? Is, is Jesus the, the treasure of their heart? I always find it um, confusing when people try and share their, their Christian testimony and, and there, there are lots of great things, good people, a part of it, maybe, maybe a good church, things they've learned, the ways they've grown. But when I don't hear the goodness of Jesus in their testimony, I wonder what they're testifying to. Because our, our testimony is, is that Jesus has saved us, that, that we love him because he first loved us. This, the people in this chapter, they're repulsed by Jesus. They're repulsed by the words of Christ, by his claims. They, they were described earlier in this same chapter as having some sort of belief in Jesus, but the more they hear Jesus speak, the more they reject him. They claim to know God, but they can't see Jesus is the Son. Right? They, they do not love Jesus. So do you love Jesus? I want you to think through that. Do you actually do you love Jesus? And if so... Do you long for other people to love Jesus? Not, not just you like it when you hear that someone comes to know Jesus, but, but, but do you just do you yearn for people to come to know and love Jesus like you do? That, that God would be glorified by others 
coming to know and love Jesus. If, if you're a Christian and you don't just long for people to come to know Jesus, we need to pray that, that God would change that. And, and I think we probably all go in, in seasons or cycles of, uh, of being really passionate about that. And then times where, honestly, other things come in the way they, they, crowd, um, they crowd that out. Um, you know what your longings are when, when, uh, when that's where your mind goes or your free time goes there. If you have a, a middle schooler or a high school boy in particular right now, there's this game called the Fortnite. Um, maybe you know of it. Um, it is, it's actually a game that there's all these articles out right now about how addictive Fortnite is. I totally believe that. Um, uh, if you have a kid in that age range or maybe a young husband, um, man, you might be... <laughs> There's some truth there. Uh, I play. I stink at it. Um, I'm really bad, um, which is probably why I'm not addicted, uh, which is what they all say, right? Um, anyway, uh, so, so the, the parents don't like Fortnite because it's like your kid gets up, and the first thing they want to do is play Fortnite. And then the last thing they want to do is play Fortnite. And between like eating and a couple other things, like all they want is, is this game, Fortnite. And, and that, kids have that problem, right? Adults. Our problems are much more sophisticated. Um, we, uh, we, we have other things that, that we long for. Um, what, what is it you long for? And, and not that all longings are bad, but, but any longing that pr- is a priority over Jesus is, is certainly too much. So when you wake up in the morning, what's the first, where's the first place your brain goes? Or, or, or maybe your phone. Like, what's the first app you check? Maybe on Facebook or Twitter or I don't know, stock market or, or some cheap flights app. Um, but, but where our mind goes in our free time, when, when we're not carrying the heavy load of, 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 of really hard stuff that we're thinking about, problems we're trying to solve, where your mind goes, it's probably a good indication of where, where your longings are. I, I'm praying that God would change our longings, any longings that, that compete at all with our longing for Jesus and with our longing for other people to come and know the saving truth of who Jesus is. The elders, uh, last week, we were gathered um, after church and we spent some time talking and praying for harvest, that we would just, we would long for Jesus to be glorified right? all over this planet, that we would long for, for God to be glorified by, by people loving Jesus, that, that we would petition, we'd be on our knees praying for neighbors, praying for family members, co-workers, praying for people that may bug you, praying for um, uh, the, the Sousa kids that we had here in July, praying, praying for our missionaries and, and all, all the people that, that our missionaries are, are, are ministering to every day, which by the way, I know I said this early in the service, but people kind of file on late sometimes. Uh, next week, we get to hear from uh, David and Jarrah, uh, two of our missionaries in India, Really excited. They're going to be here during the service. So um, I hope you come anyway. But if, if you're thinking about not coming, you should come because it'll be your opportunity to meet them. But, but we need to pray. And I'm praying that, that God will make it clear. Any longing that we have, any, anything that rivals Jesus at all, that he, he would make that so clear to us, that he would shine light on that dark place and, and that he w- would stir in us, that we would just yearn for Jesus for ourselves and, and, and for others to know and love Jesus as well. Verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. When there's a communication breakdown in a relationship, usually both parties 
are at fault, right? Most of the time. Like, there aren't very many times where, like, Lindsay and I have argued. I mean, there's some times where it's all my fault or all her fault. It's pretty rare. Like, usually both of us have done something to have this miscommunication. When there's a miscommunication between God and man, it's never God's fault. He doesn't need to brush up on his interpersonal communication skills, right? He's got that down. He doesn't have a problem making his point clear. It is on our end. So these people, they're unable to hear because they cannot bear to hear his word, right? They don't want to hear it. They refuse to hear it. Hearing, hearing God, hearing God's word involves accepting, believing, and obeying, and their hearing is blocked, I suspect it's it probably pride plays a role in it, prejudice plays a role in it, what they value, how they're raised. I mean, on and on and on. Who knows everything that's blocking their hearing? But, but what blocks you from hearing Jesus' word? Right? What keeps you from acceptance, belief, and obedience to what Jesus has said? I'm reading this book right now um, titled Questioning Evangelism, which is a provoking little title. Um, he's all for evangelism. Uh, w- w- what his uh, strategy is, though, is using questions. And, and his whole point is that we need to engage people with the gospel. We need to be much better listeners and help people think through the truth about the gospel. And, and one, of the, one of the reasons he loves questions is to help people identify what it is that's keeping them from believing in the gospel and, and, and wrestle through, like, does that, does that bury you have to the gospel? Does that actually make sense, right? Is that, is that logical? Um, this crowd, they, they couldn't bear to hear Jesus' word. Verse 44, he says, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Right, Jesus has been very clear that if God was their true father, they, they would accept his word. They would love, they would love Jesus, his son. And they don't, therefore they have another father. He drops this bomb that the devil is their father. And I can't even, I don't know how many times I've read this passage and not really thought through what an unbelievable statement for those people to hear, right? It would be shocking to hear that, that the guy you thought was your dad your whole life, that you're wrong. Um, but, but for Jesus to tell him, no, like, Satan's your dad. That's your father. And, and he says, you, your, your will is to do the desires of your father. And he lists two things. He says he was a murderer, Probably a reference to the fall, the devil's temptation of Adam and Eve, which brought physical and spiritual death. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, it brought death to all of humanity. So this, this is who Satan is. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says uh, the second is the devil is a liar, and we can trace back his lies to the garden. Right? He's been lying ever since. And Satan wants to lie in any way he can in order to keep people from the truth about Jesus. I don't know if you've ever met a really skilled liar. Um, I did in college. Um, I don't know if he was a pathological liar or not. I have no idea. Uh, But this guy had me and my buddies fooled for a couple years. Uh, Because he told these stories that were um, incredible, but, but close enough to reality 
that, that you believed it. That, that, that what he told you, you're like, man, that's amazing. But, but you believed what he was saying. And, and finally, after a couple years, everything unraveled. And we realized, this guy is a liar. Most skilled liar I've, I've ever met. I'm grateful he didn't like trick me out of money or, or anything like that. He, just, he was just trying to make friends, actually, I think. Um, but as skilled as he was, man, he doesn't hold a candle to, to the liar that the devil is. Right, the line is his native language. So if, you, if you're here and, and you don't believe Jesus, you don't believe Jesus' words, have you considered the possibility that you've bought into lies about Jesus? We know like marketing campaigns, there are whole teams that are convincing us that we need whatever product. Or, 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 or when, when, when the uh, political races start up again, we're going to see ad campaigns that, that are just nasty. And it's hard to tell, like, man, what, what is true and, and what isn't. Man, the devil's working so much harder, so much harder to deceive about who Jesus is. The devil speaks lies better than you speak your first language. When we hear anything that is anti-Jesus, we need to remember there's one who's working really, really hard against the truth of who Jesus is. First John 2, 22 says, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, but he, uh, he who denies the Father and the Son. Back in John 8, verse 45. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. And that's a peculiar sentence. Like, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. My brain wants to switch it to, even though I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, you don't believe me because I speak the truth. Or he could have said, if I lied, you would believe me. Right? He, they will not believe anything Jesus says because he is speaking truth. God's children will love the truth and therefore love Jesus. And someone said this, D.A. Carson said, children of the devil will be so characterized by lies that they will not be able to accept the truth precisely because it is the truth. So how does someone go from, from hating truth to, to loving truth? And we were in this in, in John chapter 6. This is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit that does this, is, that brings us from someone who doesn't believe the truth about God to someone who loves and embraces Jesus. God has to open ears and eyes and hearts to accept, believe, and obey the truth. Verse 46, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I, tell, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus is reasoning with them. Right? Which one of you can convict me of sin? These are, these are the best theological minds, and they can't find sin in Jesus, and it's not because he's hiding it. It's because Jesus was without sin. So if that's the case... Wouldn't it make sense, perhaps, that he's telling the truth, but they won't believe him. They won't believe him because it's, it's only those who belong to God that accept his word. Those who do not accept his word are, are not from God. And we take access, I take access, to, to, to the word that we have, the, the ability to hear God's word. I take it for granted, right? We have so many Bibles available to us. I have three different Bible apps on my phone itself. Like, they were all free. 
Right? I, have, I have Bible software on my computer. There are more English versions of the Bible on my computer than I, I I'm not sure if it's 20, 30, I have no idea how many it is. Um, last week, I got to go to ETV for a couple days, which is our high school camp, if you don't know. Um, I had a really hard job. I do a whitewater, the, or raft the whitewater of the Deschutes River. It was awesome. Um, I really suffered for the Lord there. Um, he was, it was 106, <laughs> but on the river, it felt just perfect. But I, uh, I had a kid in my raft the first day, not from our church, and, and I, won't, I won't say his name even. Um, but in talking to him, I realized he'd never been to a church thing before, nothing. He'd never been before. He, someone invited him to this camp. He had no Jesus background. He had no, he'd heard the name of Jesus, and, and he seemed like he knew that Jesus had died. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, but he didn't know why, like nothing at all. It was, it was incredible. And I'm sure every year there's probably multiple kids at camp. But I just, I don't get to always meet them. So I, 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 well, I told his counselor and his youth pastor, like, hey, this is where this guy is. Like, I'm praying for you guys, praying for opportunity. And, and the, the next day and a half, I just kept tearing up thinking that, that this young man was going to hear the gospel that week. He's going to hear the gospel. He's going to get to hear about Jesus. I have no idea what happened. Like, I can't wait to follow up with the youth pastor and his counselor. Man, it is such a privilege to be a part of people hearing about Jesus, uh, of speaking about Jesus to people, sharing the, the, the saving truth that, that we do not have to remain slaves to sin. Right? We can be freed from sin. By knowing and loving Jesus through his death on the cross for us. So earlier I asked, like, do you long for people to love Jesus? Man, please, please think about that. Talk to God. Like, Lord, do I really, like, do I really long for people to know Jesus? God, will you change that in me? That's a heart condition that we need God to change in us. If, if you realize that you don't long for people to love Jesus, or maybe you don't long for, for that as much as some other longings you have, Ask God to change your heart. I'd also encourage you, I know we've talked about this a couple of times, we've announced it, but I'd encourage you um, to consider taking the perspectives class. And this is a class on, on missions. It's, 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 a, it's a class that's happening all over the globe, actually. It's been going for decades. It is a great, great class, and I guarantee it will impact your heart for the lost here and everywhere. Um, it, it will stoke a fire in you for God to be glorified by people coming to know and trust him. So here's the deal. The, the, the class is in Camus. Um, it starts September 10th. Is that right? Yep. Uh, September 10th. I was pretty sure. Um, Monday evening. The first night is free. Okay, you can go and check out the first night. And, and um, uh, the guy who's speaking that night, they, they bring in different speakers. The guy who's speaking is my friend CJ Coffey. He's Exactly. Whoever said yes, that's if you go hear him, you're gonna go yes. Like he's so, he's so gifted, um, and I think he's probably speaking the first, the first two nights. But go and check it out. Like I, I would love 
um, I'd love it if whole community groups actually decided like, hey, we're, we're going to make this our, our meeting for, uh, for 15 weeks. It's a 15-week class. The cost, there is a cost. It's $250. I know, like 250 bucks. That's a lot of money. Um, we do, we're offering a few scholarships of $100. Really the first people that, uh, that contact the office, we're going we're gonna, to um, bless you with a scholarship for that. Um, but I, I, I would just ask you, like if, if the cost is what holds you back, um, When's the last time you invested in your spiritual health? Because we're, we're a culture, we invest a lot in our physical health, right? Um, we, we belong to gyms, um, whether we go or not, that's a different issue. Um, you know, or maybe you, you own a treadmill at home, or, or you, you, you pay lots for supplements, uh, or whatever it is, like organic foods, right? We spend a lot of money on our physical health. I'd encourage you... Um, Invest in your spiritual health, and not, it won't just impact you, because Jesus doesn't work that way, right? He doesn't just, and it's all for you. No, like, he wants this to go everywhere. So the class is in Camas, right? Like, if you live somewhere on this hill, you got a four-minute commute, maybe, okay? It's at Journey, downtown Camas. If you don't live on the hill, it's like a 14-minute commute. Like, it's still, it's nothing, but um, man, I want, I want you to go. I want you to go at least check out the first night. Um, and we were thinking about starting some new community groups up in the fall, and I've decided we're not going to do that because I don't want to even compete with, with perspectives. Like, that's how important I think it is. We have a lot of people who have been to perspectives. Um, if you've been to perspectives, would, would you raise your hand? Watch, they're all on vacation this week. No, good. Um, talk to some of these people. Ask them, like, well, man, why is Greg crazy about perspectives? And they'll, they'll tell you. Um, but I, I'd love to see you there. Um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Jesus, um, there's just nothing that compares to knowing you. It it is so good, God, to be freed from sin or to know that that we don't face your wrath, Lord, like Ephesians described us as as once being children of wrath. And, And if we know you, if we love you, if we, if we put our faith in you, we're not children of wrath anymore. We're, we're children of the king. We say God is our father. I thank you. I thank you for dying for us, Jesus. You just freely gave your life so that, that, that we could be made right with you, that we could glorify you by trusting you, Lord. And, and God... I confess, we confess that we don't want that enough for others, Lord. That, that we, don't, we don't long enough for, for, for others to come to know you. I'm sure we would all be excited or would get excited when someone knows you. But Lord, would you make that the longing of our heart that we, we would just yearn for you to be glorified because more and more people are coming to trust you, Jesus. That they go from, from being uh, children of the devil to children of, of you, God. Would you do that? Would you help us to be a church that is about that, Lord? It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. We're going to take communion together. We're going to have some men up here serving you. And uh, you can come up anytime during these next songs um, and uh, receive the elements and then take them back to your seat. And then whenever you're ready, um, go go ahead and, and, and drink the cup and eat the bread.